Ishiki's Dojutsu, for better or worse, is one of the most mysterious Dojutsu in all of Naruto, second only the Jogan. Despite not being hyped up quite as much, we know it's powerful, and thus must be equally powerful when compared to the Jogan, simply because it is owned currently by Kawaki, who is set to be the opposite of Boruto. And according to the laws of equals and opposites, for the story to really have any form of thrill to it, this Dojutsu must be comparable to the Jogan. Still, it remains mysterious. Ironically, further cementing the law of equals and opposites between Boruto and Kawaki, while Boruto's eye maintains mysteriousness by being named but never seen, at least so far in canon, Ishiki's Dojutsu is the direct opposite, being seen but never named. Now, as with all concepts within the Naruto world, I like to play around with it in my mind and see where it takes us. So for this what if, I plan to take this mysterious new ability and give it to Naruto, just to see where in the world it'll take him. Considering it is a rather hacks ability with limited stamina drain, I have high expectations for where it will take Naruto. Welcome to the Amagi! Before we begin, we publish a new video every day, so be sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to get notified about our latest videos. Also, we just released some brand new merch. If you'd like to show your support for the channel even further while at the same time repping stylish clothing, be sure to check that out as well. The store is linked below. YouTube's been unsubscribing users from channels lately, so if you're a fan of us, please do us a favor and double check to see if you're still subscribed. It only takes a second and it helps us a ton here at Amagi. And with that out of the way, Let's get into the video. Alright, so before we begin, I think it's proper that we actually know what this dojutsu is. Having never received an official name, it's merely known as Ishiki's Dojutsu, since he is the first and most prominent user of it. This Dojutsu has displayed many abilities that are actually quite powerful when you think of it. The abilities making its power, to me, at the high ends of Mangekyo Sharingan level, as it offers two very unique abilities that seem almost overpowered at first glance. And, well probably at final glance too. These abilities are just OP. Just as Sasuke could set you on fire forever and Itachi could put you into a world of genjutsu that could last as long as he wanted, Ishiki's dojutsu comes with very similar hacks abilities. These abilities are named Sukuna Hikona and Daikokuten. In very similar fashion to both the Rinnegan and Sharingan, these abilities are named after Japanese deities. The first being a dwarf kami, a reference to the fact that the ability can be used to shrink things, and the second ability being named after the Kami of Wealth, a reference to how the ability can be used to store and call any object that comes into your possession. Now that I've explained the nature of the Dojutsu, we can continue. There's one last thing to expound upon. That would be its name. I'm not going to call it Ishiki's Dojutsu every time Naruto uses it. It needs an actual name. The Dojutsu itself has a particular appearance about it, and going off just a hunch I found in the Naruto fandom's wiki, they seem to believe that the design of the eye is based on the Wheel of Dharma. The two look very similar, so I think this guess is spot on. According to Wikipedia, Dharma comes from the words Law and Keep, and so, as I was thinking about it, the law eye, something I would call it to reference what it was based upon, would translate to the word hogan in Japanese, which is funny because it sounds like jogan, a parallel I made to Ishiki's dojutsu earlier when referencing that they had to be equals and opposites. So for now, let's just call it the hogan. Naruto, the Jinchuriki of the Nine Tails, was orphaned on the day of his birth when a mysterious masked man attempted to pilfer the tailed beast from Konoha. Having it implanted into him by his dying parents, Naruto was raised as the monster he was used to in prison, people only seeing him for the beast within, acting as if he were the Ninetales incarnate. This left Naruto isolated, which gave him much time for self-reflection. 
Not that this reflection would allow him to know what he truly was. After all, no amount of quiet time would allow him to talk with the dormant Kurama within him. He didn't even know how to try. However, the things pertaining to himself outside of his duties as Jinchuriki, he came to know. First off, he had a lot of stamina. What can you say? He was an Uzumaki, a clan best known for their chakra reserves which kept them lively, not only in stamina but for life, living well into the years where most people passed, staying relatively spry for people who could live to be over 100 years old. This stamina and strength he tended to use to cause trouble. After all, bad attention was better than no attention. But the more he became self-aware, the more he realized he was different, that there wasn't anyone like him in the village. He was blonde, had strange pigmentation, had more stamina than most other children, which enabled him to be more rambunctious than those other children, and his eye had particular abilities. He witnessed it one day in the mirror as he was brushing his teeth. At first, it startled him, but he slowly grew to get used to it. He thought it was quite pretty. The iris was golden and was shaped like a wagon wheel, possessing eight spokes. He knew that there were a lot of people in Konoha who had strange eyes. Hinata's pure white eyes gave her the ability to see things others couldn't normally see. And his friend Sasuke, as an Uchiha, possessed the ability to cast and dispel Genjutsu. Naruto wondered if his eye had any abilities, so he began to experiment. He began to realize that with it he could shrink things, including himself, and then store them in an alternate dimension. He once stored some hot ramen in there since he forgot he needed to do something and he didn't want to leave it behind. Well, he forgot about it for a couple days, and upon finally remembering, he expected it to be soggy and cold, possibly rancid. But to his surprise, the moment he pulled it out, it was still steaming and smelled as if it had only then been made. He came to realize that nothing happened to the stuff he sent to this alternate dimension. Time did not pass there, and thus food could not go cold, nor could it go bad. For a child about the age of seven, this was a wonderful discovery. And considering that nobody could prove that he stole it, he had a little bit of a bad habit of shrinking himself down and sneaking into stores and stealing whatever he wanted. It certainly helped him feed himself, and it also allowed him to save on money, something Hiruzen would eventually notice but say nothing about. Naruto had a tendency to steal instant ramen from shops and store it in the Daikokuten dimension alongside cup after cup of boiling water and chopsticks. He was set, he felt. He would never go hungry no matter where he went, and he could always share with his friends, something that he tried to do to help make him a bit more popular. He always wanted to eat with Sakura, but she, like many other kids, avoided him. He could have eaten with Sasuke, but jealousy sort of put a wedge in their relationship. Hinata wanted to eat with him, but never had the confidence or courage to ask. But he did manage to have lunch quite a bit with Irika-sensei. This led to a closer friendship, so much so that after failing twice to graduate from the academy, Irika takes it upon himself to train him. This leads to Naruto mastering the clone transformation jutsu, which allows him to pass the academy and become a full-fledged shinobi, something that brings tears to his eyes. Upon completion of the academy's training, Naruto is made a genin and put on Team 7. This is where things begin to show signs of a change in Naruto's ability. Upon joining up with Team 7, he is subject to Kakashi's test to see if he's worthy to join the Jonin's team. This test was designed to get the team to view working together as a priority, but a loophole would be if the test could be possibly completed. And the thing is, it can. Naruto's overall abilities are far too weak for him to do anything to Kakashi. Kakashi is just too strong. However, as a shinobi, one knows that any obstacle can be overcome with brains and smarts, which makes me wonder why they let a shinobi run around in a neon orange jumpsuit. 
I assume this is because you're not really required to go on super stealthy missions until you become a Chunin, in which case standard battle fatigues, as shown in the 4th Shinobi World War, require you to wear dark clothing, such as black pants, shirt, and flak jacket, although there are some exceptions, such as Rock Lee, who already wears dark clothing, and Neji, who, well, I'm not really sure why they let him keep wearing white. Anyways, the point is that if you're sneaky and play it smart, you can beat any opponent. And Naruto, while not particularly smart, does have the ability to be sneaky through his Hogan's ability, Sakuna Hikona. He can seamlessly shrink himself to imperceptible levels. And while you may wonder why this would help him against Kakashi, a shinobi with a Sharingan and the ability to see and react to things practically before they happen, I would tell you that he would indeed be affected by this ability. So it stands to reckon that Kakashi would be unable to see Naruto, and because of this, he'd be unable to defend himself against him. This means that when Kakashi least expects it, Naruto just up and takes the bells. Not the outcome that Kakashi expected, but then again, he couldn't defend against this unknown dojutsu. To this point, nobody has ever witnessed such a thing before, so how could they know what it was capable of, let alone react to it? Naruto's flat ability in this regard passes him, and Kakashi decides to let the team slide, as they did technically work together in that Naruto used Sasuke as a distraction, something not too dissimilar from what Kakashi had done with Obito in his younger years, though Sasuke reminded Kakashi more of himself, and Naruto reminded him of Obito. Sasuke himself was even floored by this ability. At this point, he couldn't even comprehend what Naruto had done. Was it teleportation? It was done so fast he couldn't even see what had happened, even with his Sharingan. So the team is formed and not much happens between this point and the Land of Waves mission. Nothing but a lot of complaining from Naruto. But chief of those things that do happen is a discussion of Naruto's ability. Kakashi has a good grasp on the abilities of Sasuke and Sakura, but Naruto was a wild card. You had no idea what the extents and limitations of his abilities are, so there was much testing and discussing about his abilities. They learned that Naruto's dojutsu was where most of his ability originated from. Sakuna Hikona and Daikokuten were the only abilities that Naruto could display in a combat setting. However, he also possessed the ability to detect life force like a sensory-type shinobi, which made his dojutsu not too unlike the Hyuga's Byakugan in that regard. The limitation of Sukunehikona's size reduction was unknown even to Naruto, and they didn't want to be unsafe with it, as there was the distinct possibility that Naruto could shrink out of existence, or worse, that the shrinkage of his mass down to such a level might accidentally spawn a black hole. But regardless, they learned that Naruto could only shrink himself and non-living objects. He could not shrink Kakashi, for example. However, he also possessed the ability Daikokuten, which gave Naruto access to an alternate dimension of unknown size, in which time did not flow, and what was scary was that Naruto actually could send people there. Kakashi thought that this was actually the more powerful of his two abilities, as he could essentially force a victory via battlefield removal. It made him possibly in control of one of the strongest sealing techniques ever known to the ninja world. Not only could he seal something away, but whatever he sealed away would not know it was sealed until it was brought back. And considering that there was no known size limit to this, nor any drawbacks outside of chakra usage, it made Naruto a possibly dangerous person, as he could theoretically effectively kill anyone by shrinking down to imperceptible levels, and then send them to the realm of Daikokuten, where he could leave them for eternity. Or even worse, return them to the world in a place so dangerous that it would be impossible to survive. Kakashi warned Naruto not to tell anyone what his eye could do, or certainly there would be many who would envy or fear that power, who would come and try to take it away from him. After all, power invites challenge. When the Land of Waves mission comes around, they're sent with Tizuna to help build the bridge, or at least defend the builders as it was being made. 
Along the way, they were met by the Demon Brothers, who attacked Naruto out of the blue, but through using his Hogan's Daikokuten technique, Naruto manages to summon a pot of boiling water and douses the Demon Brothers in it, which, while funny, actually leaves them with serious burns. Kakashi is sure that they'll be fine though, and so he ties them up using the chains that they themselves use to attack him. As they move on, they're met with Zabuza. Kakashi takes charge and decides to fight him all alone, but is eventually locked inside of a water prison. This spurs Naruto and Sasuke to help him, and well, if Naruto is serious about it, he could kill Zabuza now, and I'm slightly interested to see what would happen if he does. So let's say that Naruto uses Sukuni Hikona to shrink down to the point that he can't be seen anymore and rushes at Zabuza. In doing so, he could easily sneak up on him in a number of ways, and there are many ways that he could kill him with this. And to be honest, many of these surefire ways that I'm thinking might actually be a tad too graphic for the story I'm trying to tell. So I'll keep it kid-friendly and say that he sneaks up behind him and stabs him. And if you think that this isn't enough to kill Zabuza, then consider one of the many other ways he could do it that I've chosen not to mention for the sake of those viewers. So Zabuza dies right then and there, and the group leaves for Tezuna's house. Now, this actually changes something important, which would be Haku's mentality. Haku is a powerful shinobi whose abilities and potential can surpass even Zabuza's. The issue with this is in the words that Zabuza says about him. Haku is far too gentle to actually be a bloodlusting murderer, and because of that, his potential is squandered. However, Haku has one thing in the world that he loves the most, more than life itself, and that thing is Zabuza. If Zabuza were to be murdered here and Haku managed to work himself into a bloodlust over it, Haku suddenly becomes a very dangerous shinobi, capable of killing a lot of people, likely most average Chunin and possibly even Jonin. Given his speed and abilities, even Kakashi might be in trouble. He'll certainly have to make use of that Sharingan just to survive and have a chance. So moving on, let's see what happens. Reaching the home of Tezuna, they would rest for a while. Kakashi would be weakened from his battle with Zabuza and would nearly be bedridden. But for the time being, he lets them train to control the chakra on the bottoms of their feet. Like normal, this takes quite a while to master. On the night thereafter though, as the shinobi and people of the house are all sleeping, the house is suddenly pierced, turned into a pincushion by so many massive sickles of ice, due to Haku's ice release, certain kill ice spears technique. The technique is planned to bring down the house and kill all within, including Naruto. However, as the first shards smash through the building, Naruto manages to look up and utilize Sukuni Hikona to shrink one that was coming straight for his head. Getting up and grabbing his ninja tools, he meets with Kakashi, who would already be on his way to help. Stepping out, they find Haku there as he continues to spear the house with ice. Kakashi rushes Haku, but is caught in the demonic mirroring ice crystals technique. From here, he activates his Sharingan once more to allow him to see and react to Haku and the many Senbon he's using. Now, the thing you should know about the Sharingan is that in its base form, even Sasuke was capable of using it to witness Haku's movements. If Sasuke could witness this movement, then Kakashi definitely can, as Kakashi also has a Mangekyo Sharingan, with the ability of that Sharingan not only seeing things faster than the base Sharingan, but it also allows him use of ranged Kamui. With that ability, Kakashi could theoretically have enough time to utilize his visual prowess to catch Haku off guard, either locking him in the Kamui dimension or just flat severing him in half. Either way, Haku is defeated. However, this usage of the Mangekyo Sharingan comes with a heavy toll. Even with full power in the Kazakage rescue mission, Kakashi still ended up bedridden in the hospital for days, and coming off of just having worked himself to the bone with base Sharingan, Kakashi could possibly die here. In fact, I'm half tempted to kill him off now just to see where it takes the story. So, you know what? I'm going to. Kakashi overworks himself. 
He manages to kill Haku, but in doing so, he kills himself. But at the same time, not all is well, as within the house, Tezuna has also been killed by the Ice Spears as he was attempting to protect Inari. This just further cements to the child that there are no heroes in the world, and that those who try only end up dying. With the death of Kakashi and the Master Bridge Builder, the Land of Waves no longer has the capability or courage to oppose Gato's monopoly, and thus the plans to build a bridge are put on hold permanently. The mission was a failure, and Team 7 has lost their leader. They would then return to Konoha all by themselves. I could also see Toby coming through here and taking Kakashi's Sharingan back for himself to complete the set. Once back in Konoha, Team 7 proceeds to tell the Hokage of what happened to them. Hiruzen commends Team 7 on their strength and fortitude, apologizes for the loss of their mentor, and tells them that even though the mission was a failure, they're still commended for acting as true shinobi would. They're then offered the chance to join the Chunin exams for their work, and after agreeing to it, they're allowed to join as Hiruzen begins to find them a new mentor eventually settling on Yamato, due to his unique ability to pacify the Ninetales if it ever got out of control. Did you think I forgot that Naruto is the Ninetales Jinchuriki? No. He'll eventually grow to be even more hacks. Better watch out. But after taking some time to mourn the passing of their mentor, they join the Chunin exams, where the first test is, of course, a written one. This doesn't change whatsoever, as the Hogan has not been shown to have the same visual prowess as the Sharingan or the Byakugan meaning Naruto cannot see things unless they're right in front of him. I mean, theoretically, he could use this power to steal someone's paper when they're not looking, but even if he shrank to spy, this would be seen by the referees who would dock him points for cheating. So in the end, Naruto must do this by using Ye old Noodle. Not that this would help him any, as he would leave the sheet blank anyways. It really only boils down to whether you have the guts to take the final question or not, and we know that he does. So he passes that test. When the second test comes up, the Forest of Death test, he enters the forest alongside his friends. But when Orochimaru, under the disguise of Shiore, appears, he ends up separated from the team. Now, I have reached a little bit of a question with this one. The question is if Orochimaru would switch targets from the Sharingan to the Hogan. I was thinking about this up to this point. Orochimaru chose to go after Sasuke instead of Naruto as he wanted the Sharingan more than a tailed beast, but why the Sharingan exactly? With the massacre that Itachi subjected the Uchiha to, it seems likely that he wanted the Sharingan because of its inherent rarity. But on the reverse, that would make Naruto's Dojutsu a prime target, due to being something never before seen and possibly never seen again. Surely Orochimaru would want this, right? Well, it's likely that he would make capturing Naruto a secondary objective, but not primary. The reason? Orochimaru understands that out of the two, the Sharingan is a better Dojutsu. Why? Because not only can it cast and dispel Genjutsu, it can also evolve into a Mangekyo form, which would grant two new abilities not too unlike Sukuna Hikona and Daiko Kuten, but it would also come with a Susano. He knows this due to his experience with Itachi, and while he knows that using the Mangekyo Sharingan results in blindness, he would more than likely know that by this point that the Mangekyo Sharingan can be evolved into the Eternal variant if he takes the eyes from Itachi. And considering that Itachi by this time is already sick and showing signs of it, Orochimaru knows that all he has to do is wait for Itachi to kick the bucket and then swoop in like a vulture to steal those eyes. Then he'll have the most reputed dojutsu outside of the Rinnegan in his control. It's for this reason that I believe that Orochimaru would forego the prioritizing the Hogan for his original plan, although taking the Hogan would be an alternate objective for him. After being swallowed by the snake, Naruto would use Sukuni Hikona to find a way to get back out, and if that doesn't work, as shown with Ishiki, he can utilize Daikokuten in a limited capacity, resulting in him likely just ripping a hole in the snake's stomach, which would kill it. 
Naruto would catch up and attempt to protect Sasuke, but it would not stop Sasuke from being branded by the Cursed Seal of Heaven, though he could help drive Orochimaru off. Sasuke is unconscious and in serious condition. With no other recourse, Naruto recalls what he could do and uses Daikokuten to place Sasuke in suspended animation as the rest of the team attempts to complete the mission without him. With the help of Sukuna Hikona, they manage to steal a scroll and proceed to make their way to the arena in the center. They then open the scroll and Yamato, their new Jonin, pops out with a smile on his face, congratulating them before asking where Sasuke is. Naruto would return Sasuke here, and due to what had happened, Sasuke is forced to bow out of the Chunin exams due to his condition, and they place an evil ceiling mark over the curse mark to ensure that it doesn't activate against his will. Sasuke is heavily upset by this turn of events, and resents his own weakness compared to Naruto, realizing that Naruto's dojutsu has made him practically invincible. When the first rounds of the exhibition start, Naruto finds himself up against Kiba and Akamaru, who he manages to defeat with the use of his special dojutsu. After this, he receives a month off, and during this time would run into Jiraiya who would proceed to train him. He would teach Naruto the presence of Kurama within his body and how to communicate and draw chakra from him. He would also teach him how to summon toads, to which Naruto summons Gamabunta to fight. Here's the thing though, I could see Naruto growing even better with his visual prowess, learning to control it and even using it better. I could see him learning how to utilize the same disruption cubes that Ishiki could, and if he can use those, well, I can just see him spamming this attack to damage Gamabunta. The raw power Naruto displays with the use of his Hogan is incredible, and is enough to earn him the giant toad's respect. Returning to the Chunin exams, the exhibition matches reach their climax as Naruto has to face off against Neji Hyuga. Neji and his Byakugan are a real threat to Naruto, but this doesn't stop Naruto from rushing in anyway. However, his control over his abilities help him quite a bit. He drops disruption cubes on the edges of the arena to dampen Neji's senses, and then shrinks down as he gets close, returning to normal size just to punch and then shrinking down again. Basically, Naruto is going Ant-Man on Neji, and Neji is incapable of defending against this because even with his Byakugan, he still can't see Naruto, and those disruption cubes aren't helping him any. This leaves Neji wide open, and Naruto is able to secure victory with a final strike. Now, normally, after this would be Sasuke versus Gara, but Sasuke is out of the exams due to the curse mark, which means that Gara has nobody to fight. Due to the abilities he showed up to that point, such as how he solved so many of the questions and then broke the record for the Forest of Death, and then easily defeated Rock Lee, he's considered strong enough to simply move on to the semis, and his next opponent would be Naruto. After a battle between both Shino and Konkuro, as well as Tamari and Shikamaru, Naruto and Gara finally face off. It's in this match that Naruto really takes Gara by surprise, throwing disruption cubes as well as firing chakra rods at him. Gara attempts to protect himself with his sand, but that is exactly what Naruto wants. Naruto, after all, can simply use Sukuna Hikona to get behind him and strike. And if Gara balls himself up completely, he can't win because he is too long on the defense. So as soon as that attack lets up, Naruto is on him like a flash. This would result in Gara's defeat, and much like with Sasuke, the loss leaves him so unhinged that he can't play his part. So Kabuto puts the stadium to sleep while the Sand siblings escape. Due to Sasuke not being there, Gara and his siblings escape, and Naruto is only awakened by Sakura to watch as the Hokage is killed by Orochimaru. Well, Killed is a strong term. Driven to the Reaper Death Seal is more like it, since Hiruzen went out on his own terms. Still, that leaves Konoha without a Kage, and guess who's sent to get one? That's right, Naruto and Jiraiya. Naruto and Jiraiya are to go find Tsunade and bring her back, but here's the thing. She doesn't want to. She insults the office, drawing the ire of Naruto, but upon being defeated, she makes a deal with him that if he can complete his study of the Rasengan within a week, she'll give him the first Hokage's necklace. Spoilers, he does so. 
but it's a little late as Tsunade has already left to fight Orochimaru, and she doesn't assume that she'll survive. Naruto and Jiraiya go to help her, and this stays mostly the same. However, Kabuto never has the chance to sever Naruto's heart muscles or chakra pathways. Instead, he just shrinks to avoid and then plants a Rasengan directly into the chest of Kabuto. Still, Orochimaru and Kabuto escape, but Tsunade's respect for Naruto and his dream causes her to return to Konoha and take up the highest office in the village. But things aren't so peachy for our friends, as Sasuke has decided to go with the Sound 4 to Orochimaru in hopes that he can become stronger than Naruto and finally capable of killing Itachi. But this isn't about to slide with Naruto. An entire team forms to find Sasuke and bring him home. Along the way, the Sound 4 stopped to buy Sasuke more time as Orochimaru had hoped for. Each member of the Sasuke recovery team stopped to help Naruto continue on to get Sasuke. That is, until Naruto himself is stopped by Kimimaro, the fifth member of the Sound 4. Now, Lee has survived and returned to being a shinobi with Tsunade's help. However, due to Naruto never fighting Gara and Shukaku, Gara never has a change of heart, meaning he doesn't show up. It means that it's only up to Naruto and Lee. And Naruto manages to beat Kimimaro with the help of Lee, as he uses Sukunihikona to shrink and then removes the entire left side of Kimimaro's body with Daikokuten. I'm gonna be honest. Naruto is spamming this technique, and why wouldn't he? These hacks' abilities are so broken it's not even funny. At this point, really, he's as broken as a two-eyed Obito Uchiha. Naruto would eventually catch up to Sasuke, and this time he has Rock Lee with him, so together they fight Sasuke. It becomes obvious that Sasuke is trying to kill them, so Naruto holds back nothing. But he doesn't plan to kill Sasuke. So in the midst of their clash, when Sasuke and Naruto's Chidori and Rasengan are about to strike, Naruto suddenly fakes out, drops the Rasengan, shrinks, and then returns to his normal size and uses Daikokuten to capture Sasuke. He then returns to Konoha with him. The moment he returns, he releases Sasuke, who can't even comprehend what happened. Many Anbu and Jonin would then dogpile on Sasuke, trying to restrain him. Naruto's promise was kept to Sakura, though Sasuke's fate is yet to be decided. Considering his age, motivations, and everything, it seems likely that he will be merely stripped of his rights to be a shinobi, but he is still alive, and that's a plus. Naruto would then disappear for nearly three years to train with Jiraiya before returning to Konoha. It's then that the mission to rescue Gara from the hands of the Akatsuki occurs. On their way, they encounter a fake Itachi and Kisame, but they're defeated. However, they find it too late as Gara has died. Deidara attempts to fly off with Gara's body, and because Kakashi has died long ago, he can't stop Deidara with his Mangekyo, meaning they can't stop him. However, they can kill Sasori. Now, considering that Sasuke has already been captured, the Tenchi Bridge Recon mission never takes place. Sasori may still inform them of Orochimaru as one last kiss my butt to his former compatriot, but Team 7 would not be sent on the mission. Sasuke would not kill Itachi, and Itachi would die of sickness, his plan to make Sasuke the hero of Konoha having failed. I could see, however, Danzo growing interested in taking Naruto's Hogan, and more than likely, he would send some root members to do so, or even Sai. This is the warning that Kakashi gave to Naruto. Due to Sai being inspired by him, Sai would refuse to take the eye, and even warn Naruto about the plot as much as the curse mark on his tongue would allow. So Naruto would be able to defend himself. However, say a hypothetical battle occurs between Naruto and Danzo, sort of like when Danzo engaged Shisui to take his eye personally. I still think Naruto would win. Naruto can freely disappear whenever he desires, meaning that he can run out the Izanagi. But even if for some reason he can't, he can still send Danzo to the dimension of the Daikokuten. Now you may be asking how that actually deals with the threat of Danzo. How does that stop Izanagi? Well, remember that the dimension where Naruto is sending him has no flowing time, meaning that even if Danzo has Izanagi scheduled to happen, it wouldn't, since time doesn't flow there. 
The point when Donzo goes in and comes out would be the same time for Donzo, even if separated by years in the real world, so Izanagi theoretically should not occur unless he casts it before he goes in. He can't wait until after he's struck, he'd have to cast it before, which would be an issue because he can never know when it'll occur. So I'm pretty adamant that Naruto would win. The Akatsuki suppression arc would soon take place, as the Leaf would want to put them down for killing a fellow Kage, that being Gara. They would be labeled international terrorists, and Konoha would be doing their part in taking them down. However, if we assume that Naruto's on the team, I highly doubt that Asuma Saratobi would die, as Naruto can literally just send Hidan to the Daikokutan realm to get rid of him. Kakuzu would likely suffer a similar fate. I mean, Naruto just blitzes with these abilities. The next threat would be Pain, who would be sent to take the Ninetales, but here's the issue. Even these six paths aren't immune to Sukuna Hikona and Daiko Kuten. They have space-time jutsu, as anyone with the Rinnegan does, but that's not going to save them when they get sent out of time and can't see it coming. However, the amount of damage they do is heavily dependent upon if Naruto has gone to train under the Toad Sages of Mount Myoboku, and to keep Naruto from getting underpowered, as I believe Naruto would train regardless of his ability, Naruto gains Sage Mode. Of course, once the pain arc ends, Tsunade is still in a coma and she's unable to lead. So who would become the leader? Well, it would have to be someone strong, wise, and intelligent. That's why it's my personal belief that Hiyashi Hyuga would end up the 6th Hokage. He's the most experienced leader in the village at the time, and he isn't a slouch when it comes to strength. Going to the Five Kage Summit to discuss the threat of the Akatsuki, the Fourth Shinobi World War would be declared by Obito. They would attempt to protect Naruto by sending him to train with Killer B. However, the moment he achieves Ninetales Chakra Mode, all bets are off. He returns to the battlefield and uses his ability to sense emotions to determine who in the camp is a Zetsu spy, and he also uses the ability to send things to the Daikokuten dimension to seal away the Ido Tensei. Now, in the final battle, Obito is actually a bit of a powerhouse, capable of spamming short-range and long-range Kamui, as well as having access to Susano. Or, well, I'd like to think so, but it seems that I wrote myself an accidental Chekhov's gun here as I didn't think at the time that Obito would require a Rinnegan to become the Tentails Jinchiriki. However, I suppose it's not that bad of a Chekhov's gun, as even if he loses his eye a second time in favor of a Rinnegan, he'll retain his Susano forever, just as Madara did when he was revived blind. If you recall, when he was revived, his false Rinnegan crumbled away, yet he could still use the Susano. Not sure exactly why. Either way, with a Susano, he actually becomes far stronger. Considering he may not use long-range Kamui, Obito can still use short-range Kamui. This is actually a very bad matchup for Naruto. Naruto's Sukuna Hikona does indeed allow him to dodge things and seemingly disappear, but it doesn't make him intangible, and AoE attacks can still affect him. And I'll tell you, Obito has a large area of effect. Naruto can't get through the Susano, but it stands to reason that the Susano can get through him. Naruto's Daikokuten attack becomes practically useless. To be frank with you, Kakashi's Sharingan was the only thing that saved Naruto in this battle, as you can't kill what you can't touch, and since Obito possesses dimensional displacement type intangibility, this means that he's not getting touched at any time. Not unless Naruto can manage to pull a Minato Namikaze, and to be honest, with the right distraction, fighting for the right length of time, I could see Naruto sneaking up on him. After all, Obito's ability doesn't technically make him completely intangible. It only makes the part you strike intangible and only if he knows it's coming. But if Naruto could utilize Sukuna Hikona to shrink away from the fight, it's possible, if not likely, that he could eventually get the drop on Obito. And if he does, he can send Obito away for eternity if he wants. And if Naruto does that, the Eye of the Moon plan is flushed. Because Madara needed both of his Rinnegan to cast the Infinite Tsukiyomi. 
That being said, Madara's resurrection would also be impossible as he would need Obito to do this, and right now, Obito is chilling with Danzo and the Ido Tensei in the world of timelessness. So when you really get down to brass tacks, Naruto really would be able to just flat out end the threat of the Akatsuki with this broken dojutsu. Honestly, if Ishiki had used it to its fullest extent, he wouldn't have had any issues with beating Naruto. Or so I think. Maybe if he hadn't taken initiative to actually beat him, he would have lost even more lifespan. But then again, he could have just skulked around with it for a while until he found Kawaki. But I suppose that's what you get when you're panicked. That actually makes me think about something. Let me just save you some time by telling you that neither Toneri nor Momoshiki would ever cause Naruto any trouble with this technique. However, I do wonder about Ishiki though, as he possessed the same eye. Would Naruto be capable of sending Ishiki to Daikokuten's dimension? Or would it be possible for Ishiki to get out of it? I mean, theoretically, if Ishiki sent himself to the Daikokuten dimension, he would be capable of escaping due to having the eye, right? Well, even still, Naruto can always rely on Baryon mode anyway. In fact, if Naruto had this dojutsu and used it to its fullest extent, sort of spammy like Kawaki does it, and the series would turn out a whole lot better. But that's just my two cents. What do you think? Tell us in the comments below. I love reading your thoughts on things. Peace out. Did you enjoy our video? Well, then be sure to check out these other great videos from the Amagi, and make sure to subscribe and ring the bell to get notified about our latest videos.